0: This is a kick in the grass with Dan Riccio and Jeff Flair on the Sportsnet
1: Radio Network.
0: When you're on the pitch, life goes away. Your problems go away. Life goes away. A quote from Diego Armando Maradona, who passed away at the age of 60 on Wednesday, November 25th, 2020. And today, we remember the greatest to ever play. Our guest today, Jimmy Burns, writer, author of the Maradona biography, The Hand of God, and Marco Antonucci, former Toronto-Italia striker who gave up the captain's armband for Diego's one match with the CNSL squad. It's Dan Riccio and Jeff Blair for a kick in the grass. And uh, Jeff, that quote is something that uh, I cannot shake because it, to me, uh, speaks a lot to Diego Armando Maradona and me uh, being of Italian heritage and also... Um, watching and hearing about Diego from my father and others uh, and, and what his time at Naples really was like, that quote, it speaks to a lot of different things. And to relate it to Naples, well, Napolitans, uh, their life is Napoli. And they live for that Sunday watching their team at the Stadio San Paolo or wherever they may be. And Diego was kind of the same. Away from the fields, life was a bit tragic, it was a bit of a disaster, but when he was on the fields, um that's where the magic happened.
1: Yeah, and you know, boy we we talk about living you know, living a textured life, which I I the way I kind of like talking about folks who at, at, athletes in particular who are great in their particular field or on their particular pitch or on ice or whatever surface they play on, but also can sometimes be overmatched by life off it, which certainly I think you you can claim about Diego Maradona. Look, he is, to my way of thinking, uh, he's, he's the greatest player I've seen, understanding that I have certainly seen more of him in TV than I saw of Pele on TV. But for me, he he is is just he's on another planet, and I I think back to an interview we did on our show in Toronto uh, the day after Maradona, or actually it was the day that Maradona passed away, and we had Bob Iarushi on, longtime Canadian national team member. Uh, He played in the North American Soccer League, and his teammates in the North American Soccer League were, were were Pele and. Johan Cruyff and, and Giorgio Canalia, the big personalities. Pele, along with Maradona, the co-winners of the greatest football players of the 20th century, uh, according to FIFA. And he, while he never played with Diego Maradona or against Diego Maradona, Bob clearly had watched him play, had a chance to see him play when he was a much younger uh, player during an exhibition game. And Bob's point was as great as Pele was, as great as Cruyff was, and and Cruyff, of course, his influence in the game, you can argue from a tactical point of view, exceeds that of any other player in the history of the game. But as great as there were, Bob Iarushi said, none of them had the stones that Diego Maradona had. And I think that that sums him up perfectly, and that separates him from other players. He was brilliant. But he just, he, I, I mean, Danny, he was the, he, he was masculinity on and off, on and off the pitch, right? And, and he was, he just did everything in a manner that almost made it seem as if he didn't care what you thought of him. He didn't care what the end result was going to be. It's like he enjoyed living a dangerous lifestyle and he enjoyed playing dangerously on the pitch.
0: And you see that play out through his through his career, right? He he played on and lived on the edge. Um, there's there's no doubting that. Um, and, and everywhere he went, you know, there was there was a honeymoon period, there was a great period, and then it quickly all went to hell. <laughs> even For sure, in,
1: even in even in Napoli, I mean, yeah. he, he was. He was uh, he was booed off the pitch in Napoli when uh, playing his final game there. Uh, he left with a with a thigh injury, and and he was he was booed off the pitch. You know, in uh, June 1989, the fans booed him, and they booed his wife, who was sitting in the director's box at the time. And yeah, and that's in Naples, where I mean. You know they cover 400 year old buildings with murals of the guy and and but you're right it, it, it ended invariably with heartbreak
0: and and that's you know kind of the, the the story here is he he just didn't know how to keep things on the on the track you know mm. and uh, maybe uh, it is part of um, you know his nickname el pibe uh, el pibe de Oro in some cases the golden boy Um but, you know, he was just, it was a boy and he didn't, I guess, know how to be an adult at times. And that's kind of uh, how he dealt with things was through the drugs and the alcohol and the excess in which he lived his life away from the field. But, you know, he really, and, and it was that humanity, Jeff, it was that um, that ability to connect with uh, those that, did not have their voice heard or mm-hmm. his ability to connect in a lot of cases, let's just be honest with it, the poor. Uh, and that's, I think, why you know, he went from being completely unsettled in his two years at, at Barcelona and head to Napoli and the city embraces him immediately you know they the owner goes to the goes to the government and says, "Hey, can I have a few extra bucks to afford Diego Armando Maradona for our nearly relegated side to try and compete in Serie A?" And they say, "Yes," because, you know, when you're poor, you make decisions just because you want to be happy in the moment. Yeah. And they were. And Diego immediately from the moment he shows up in Napoli, their first match, they go to Verona and there's a sign in the stands saying, welcome to Italy. Mm -hmm. And he realizes where where I'm playing, they aren't accepted in the way that everywhere else is. And it's much like the village he came up in, in Via Fiorito in Argentina, just outside of Buenos Aires. And he knows how to connect with those people. And after 87, they win the trophy. They win Serie A. The South conquers the North for the first time in in Italian soccer history. And he's asked after the match, what does Napoli mean to you? And he says, a casa. It's home. It's home for me. And that is the story of how he connected so well with Napoli. And we, of course, know why he connected so well with Argentina.
1: Yeah, and the thing with Diego Maradona, you know, some, some great athletes... Me when their career ends, they leave you laughing or they leave you smiling. But it always seems that in the case of Diego Maradona, he, he when he left, there were all there, there were tears involved. Invariably, there were tears involved because it just every, every even even his heights. Right. I mean, you see people like this, even the heights that they they climb to. It it, it it always in the case of Diego Maradona, it, it always seemed to end in tragedy. It was almost like a it was like it, it was almost like a soap opera. I mean, I, I I don't know if you could sit down and write a, a fable or write a story that matches Diego Maradona's life.
0: It's uh, it's unlikely. Um, it, it's such a story that you you don't almost believe uh, it, it's true. But you know, he had just such an impact. Um, you know, we're we're you know, you see him being. Compared to uh, Muhammad Ali, for the way that he impacted uh, fans and and, and the mm-hmm. world, uh, in some ways, he transcended his sport um, more so than Pele. And I think one of the big reasons, too, Jeff, is just his his humanity. And we don't see, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo. The only thing you ever see of Cristiano Ronaldo is, you know, he's either on, on a football field, he's training to get back on the football field or he's like in some beautiful, exotic place on a yacht with his beautiful wife and children. Mm. Uh, there's, there's never a hair out of place. He's always just perfection. Lionel Messi, you don't know anything about Lionel Messi's personal life because all he has is a social media team that, that makes sure the, the business side of things happens the way that it needs to happen and it needs to run. But with Diego, yep. we, we saw everything. And, and, and I think that was part of our connection to him as well.
1: Yeah, you know, I, in, in in my lifetime, I've got if I had to put together my personal Mount Rushmore of athletes who athletes who excited me, who intrigued me. I'm going to use the word athlete who intrigued me more than any other athlete for a variety of reasons. Uh, you touched on it, Muhammad Ali. This doesn't mean that they were, I was going to say, it doesn't mean they're necessarily the greatest at what they did. But when you find out the three I name, it's, I think it's pretty obvious they were Muhammad Ali, Diego Maradona, and Usain Bolt. For me, there were the, the, the textured aspects of their life in addition, in addition to the brilliance of their life. Usain Bolt, different, Usain Bolt is like a, a universal citizen. He is a man who brings happiness wherever he goes. And, and, Those, to me, are the three personality-slash-athletes that I put on a completely different pedestal than any other athlete in any sport.
0: Uh, It is Dan Riccio and Jeff Blair, uh, Diego Maradona, the tributes uh, continuing forward. Uh, But the interesting part, Jeff, is there is a Canadian story with Diego Ah. Maradona. And... Is there
1: ever... A, how surprised were we to find this out? Well, you weren't. I, you, you knew about it. I had no idea about it. I uh, literally had no idea about it until it was told to me a couple of days ago.
0: September 2nd, 1996. The Canadian National Soccer League All-Star Game. Uh, the champions of the league, Toronto-Italia, against the uh, CNSL All-Stars. And uh, Toronto-Italia, uh, wouldn't you know it, decides hey, we're going to bring Diego Maradona in for a match.
1: (laughs) And he decides to come. That's even more remarkable.
0: (laughs) (laughs) His brother Lalo at the time uh, was playing with Toronto, Italia. Uh, Of course, uh, he was not uh, of the same gifts of his uh, elder brother Diego, but uh, still a decent soccer player uh, in his own right. And that's how the connection was made with uh, the Toronto Italia owner, who is a big time Napoli fan and hailed from Naples. So for this random match that happened to be played at Birch Mound stadium, Diego Maradona parachutes in to bring uh, 6,000 plus joy uh, for the one night. And uh, it, it's it's a pretty incredible story. I think if if you go to Woodbridge now, obviously with a a large <laughs> uh, Italian population, uh, it's kind of like um. You know, it's kind of like the first game at Exhibition Stadium for the Blue Jays. Uh, Apparently, everybody in the city of Toronto was at that Blue Jays game. Well, everybody in Woodbridge, uh, you may not have even been born yet, but apparently you saw Diego Maradona at Birchmount Stadium in Scarborough on September 2nd, 1996. Uh, That's kind of the legend of the story, and it's uh, it's pretty incredible. And joining us now, uh, a player who was on that team, and played alongside Diego Armando Maradona. It is uh, Marco Antonucci. Thanks for this, Marco. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks. It's uh, it, it's pretty great seeing um, all the, the tributes of, of Diego Maradona. And there's so many stories. But uh, there is this story of him playing at Birchmount Stadium in Scarborough with Toronto Italia. Um, how would you describe that night? And uh, just... Well, when did you find out Diego Maradona was going to be joining your team?
2: You know, it was uh, probably two weeks before, two to three weeks before that actual night. You know, we, we got word at a training session. Um, Lala was chatting with our owner, Pasquale Fiocola, and said, Hey, my brother's coming to town. He's coming to visit us. And, uh, you know, we're going to probably get a game going. <laughs> so they kind of mentioned it to the guys, and we were all like, you are kidding me. We thought they were joking around, actually when we first heard about it.
1: Um, I'm wondering, uh, Marco, be- before we talk about Diego, a bit, I think people are going to be surprised to know that his brother played for Toronto Italia. Can you tell us a little bit about Lalo and, and sort of uh, what type of guy he was in addition to what type of player he was? Oh, Lalo.
2: Lalo, uh, when we first found out Lalo was coming to play with us, which was about a year and a half before this game, Uh, In the first season, it was, like, fantastic. Oh, my goodness. You know, Lalo's in the league. Lalo's Diego's brother. Uh, You know, let's see what this guy's got. And what a great guy. Fantastic guy. Down to earth. A a fantastic touch on the ball. Um, You know, playing with him. He's such a smart, smart player. You know, and and obviously, you you know, you never really watched Lalo play. You know, he wasn't on the highlight reels like his brother was but everybody was looking to him for that type of uh, experience on the field. Right. You know, but, uh, but he was, he's a great guy and a fantastic player. Um, and it was great to play with him. Um, you know, until we got this one night with uh, his brother. So that was really cool.
0: You know, the, the CNSL, um, you know, a little bit about the league, It was, you know, it was competitive, um, it's well-remembered, certainly, uh, by those that had played in it and had been around it. Um, but what, what was the CNSL to you?
2: Well, you know, there was a period of time before, you know, we, we kind of started our, our playing days, really, in the Canadian Soccer League, which was a coast-to-coast league that was in 87 to 93. And then there was a period of three, maybe four years before, you know, our first Canadian teams kind of went in the MLS so there was a bunch of players that scattered in that, in those two, three years, kind of needed to find a place to play on the CNSL, which was a uh, Southwestern Ontario, you know, semi-pro league. That was uh, great competition. You know, you had good players, you know, in, in most of the teams. Uh, and it was a good avenue for us to kind of sit in there for a couple of years and continue to play at a good level. So it, it wasn't the level, obviously, of the Canadian Soccer League, um, but it was a level that had some really great players in it. Um, that didn't need to leave, um, you know, and, and, and go far away to play at that point, point. and uh, the competition was really really good and really really strong.
1: Now, can you tell us a little bit about the uh, the speech that Diego Maradona gave by uh, gave at halftime uh, when he showed up? I, I guess this was this was before he played with you guys. It was he he was in town and he apparently walked into the, the locker room. At halftime halftime yeah. of a, a game and you guys were trailing by a goal tell us a little bit about that speech because it, it is kind of a funny story I, I don't think anybody knew what language he was speaking did
3: they
2: <laughs> actually one of the guys or a couple of the guys asked me because i spoke italian and uh you know him playing in naples was uh, you know a language that he spoke but there was some mix of spanish in there and things so there was part of it i got part of it i didn't get um you know but i think everybody kind of got the gist of hey guys you know we're here i'm here let's get this game going let's start playing um you know they got the first goal it's kind of a giveaway on our end we gave up the first goal but he basically he just got us all together we got in a huddle he motivated us and said get out there we're not losing this game i have too many people here watching me
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's uh it's kind of funny you know like um here you are playing in this league and, and diego maradona shows up um what did you notice in, in him? Like, how, how did he handle the whole situation knowing, you know, he's being kind of parachuted in here to, to put on a show for people?
2: Yeah, he, uh, he, you know, he's a serious guy. You know, when it's game time, it's game time. You know, at the beginning it was all fun and, uh, you know, the guys were kind of walking around and everybody's literally staring at him in awe and uh, he was on the massage table in the middle of the room getting treated and, um, you know, at some point it, it just got to him where he's like, okay, everybody out. <laughs> he goes, let's go, let's go, let's go. And we're all like, okay, everyone kind of just turned around, walked a little bit away and then turned back and started on at him again. So it was actually pretty funny, uh, you know, but, but when it came to the game, he was, you know, getting his head in, you could see him, his warm up, his routine. There's no joke. The league all-stars were going at him. Like they were, go- they were coming full fledged. Like they were there to win and and you know and beat us right because that's what they wanted so um it was a pretty interesting night for sure
1: uh what 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 do you remember from you know some of the things that your opponents might have been saying about maradona like how, did you ever, what was it like for them to, to play against him because i would think it would be one thing to be a teammate of his but another another thing to be out in the pitch playing against this guy
2: yeah Well, I tell you, I know a lot of the guys on the all-star team, right? We've either played together or we've played against each other for many years. So, um, interesting enough, you know, they played tough during the game. You know, I think they all respected him. I mean, everybody loves Maradona. You know, as a player, this guy was, you know, different different level uh, above and beyond anybody and everyone. So, they were excited to play against him and see how they kind of competed with, uh, you know, 30, I think he was 35 at the time, 36. You know, kind of, you know, past his prime, obviously. Um, I think that was his last full game, Uh, you know, the 10v10 game. I know he played in some publicity games after that. Um, But they all were in the dressing room right after the game, trying to get autographs, (laughs) trying to get in there, you know. So, I mean, that tells you, you know, these guys were uh, big, big fans of, uh, of Diego. So that was really nice to see.
0: Now, cor- correct me if I'm wrong, but you were the captain of, of Toronto, Italia, and <laughs> Diego came to you to ask for the armband for that night.
2: Yeah, that was that, that was pretty funny. So, funny enough, we spoke about it with our coach and uh, an ownership. And they said, hey, listen, I think we're going to announce, you know, we're going to let him put the band on, but we'll announce it before we get out. So I said, 100%. So internally, we already knew this was happening. So Diego comes over to me. He was sitting right across from me, and he, he comes over, and he says, in Italian, he says, listen, Marco, he goes, I think for tonight's game, with all the fans that are here to watch me play, it's probably better if I wear the band, but I promise to give it to you after the game. And I said, we didn't even have to make the announcement. I said, 100%. So, uh, but we ended up still making the announcement, and I got up and gave it to him as a formal, uh, you know, you're our leader tonight. We're going to be looking to you to... Uh, uh, you know to see your experience and uh, follow that and win this game and that's kind of where it went so it was an honor and I got that band back signed uh, you know a little stretched of course he was a little bit bigger than I was at the time and uh, yeah I still have it which was uh, great I just dug it up the other day someone asked me to send a picture of it so I had uh, done that took a picture and uh, send it off so it's pretty cool.
1: Now, Marco, I'm sure you, you you guys probably, people have probably seen him in TV, um, you know, whether it was playing for Argentina or, or Napoli or Barcelona. When you first saw Diego Maradona, what was your immediate impression of, his, um, of him physically? Because everybody you talked to who sort of sees him or met him for the first time said, even though they'd seen him in TV a lot and had followed his career, when you see him the first time, just his his build still kind of makes your eyes pop.
2: Oh, yeah. No, no. I, listen, I've been a Napoli fan ever since I was a little guy. Um, I was living in Europe in 88, 89, playing soccer there and, uh, in Florence. So we went every other Sunday to the games uh, when Firenze played. So when Napoli was in town and Diego was in town, it was like, oh, wow, what a player. And that was at his prime seen him in toronto so many years later that would have been you know whatever it was 20 years later it was you, know, you couldn't believe it he was so close like he had quads that were enormous you know his his balance on the field was unbelievable he was able to turn you know shift left and right with those hips which totally threw guys off like he'd make a move like a pump fake and guys would just go two feet over and he'd just go the other way so his, uh, his, his gravity was, was, was great. He was so low to the ground, and it was such a big advantage for him for sure. So
0: The, the goal he scored that night, can you describe it? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> that, was, uh, that was incredible. I mean, he, he, he literally, you know, he had to take some fans out of the corner there to just give them a little bit of a wind-up because they were all around the track. And, uh, you know, he, just, he spun a ball with that left foot literally right to the first post, you know, it was coming in with such pace, I mean, the goalie didn't even have a chance. Kind of tried to knock at it, and it just went in. Like, it was unbelievable. Like, nobody was expecting him to actually go for a goal and swing it in that way, but you know, with Diego's creative mind, he knows, you know, he, he can put that in. You know, he can put that in, so that was, that was really, really cool to see that go in for him.
1: He, he also apparently uh, went up for a header outside the box, and he had Course, there's no way he's gonna get ahead of goal, but he did it just so he could put his hand in the air and and, and hit the ball with his hands to sort of play with the hand of God. You know I, God. that must I, have been I, hilarious.
2: In the game, I didn't even catch it, but when I saw the, the clips of the game after the fact, my buddy Paul Hillman was actually marking him, and it was unbelievable. He had no chance at the ball. No chance. Even with his arm up, he practically, you know, just covered Paul's head. And he literally jumps, he gets the call, of course, you know he gets the call against him, and then he's just going off at the ref and putting a show on and putting his arms up, so when you see that after the fact, it was pretty funny, but during the game you're just you know you're not looking at that, right, it's Just another foul and you know whatever it was so but yeah that's that's the diego show that's the show that's that's what everybody loved about him he was a he was a show guy on the field he He left people's jaws uh, open completely on some of the things he did on the field. And we'll always remember him for that, for sure.
0: Marco, uh, thanks for taking us uh, back in time to the night Diego was in Toronto. Uh, Thanks for this today.
2: Awesome. Thanks a lot, guys.
0: Brilliant. Uh, Scores a corner kick goal, uh, pleases the crowd. Uh, What what isn't there from uh, Diego Maradona's uh, one journey to to Canada for his lone game on, on Canadian soil, Jeff? (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's remarkable uh as i said i did not know this story of course i uh, i wasn't living in toronto then but i did not know this story until the day that maradona passed away and someone flagged me an article in the athletic about it and my first reaction was come on yeah uh, you know maybe showed up and signed a couple of balls and <laughs> but the coin, ceremonial coin. And then I thought, okay, well, all-star game. He clearly played for the all-stars. No, he didn't even play for the all-star team. <laughs> he played for Toronto Italia. It's a great story. It's an absolutely spectacular story. Uh,
0: and that's uh, that's Maradona's life, uh, in a way, uh, bringing, bringing joy, uh, at least when he was on the football field. Uh, coming up next, Jimmy Burns, uh, author of Maradona, The Hand of God, uh, hailed as uh, the book that sparked the now famous documentary Maradona by Asif Kapadia, and you've seen it on HBO. Uh, But Jimmy told that story. It is uh, uh, thought to be one of the most real stories of Diego Maradona's life as well. We'll talk to Jimmy next on A Kick in the Grass. Back in on A Kick in the Grass, Dan Riccio and Jeff Blair now joining us Jimmy Burns the author of the biography Maradona the hand of God thanks for this Jimmy how are you no, it's a great pleasure to be with you well let's take it back to to starting to write the book and, and uh, we'll remember Maradona that way um, what, what drew you to to putting words on paper for for Diego Maradona
3: well, you know, that, you know, with, with authors and journalists, I mean, it's you, you either go for something or someone comes to you. And, and in, in that case, in that case, it was a sort of mixture of the two. I mean, I, I was obviously worked as a correspondent, uh, foreign journalist in Buenos Aires uh, during the 80s for the Financial Times. And, and um, I also on my uh, mother's side, a Spanish speaker uh, and I studied Latin America at university. So I knew the continent. Um, I was also a great football fan. Um, and it just seemed unnatural to uh, be commissioned to write what really sort of turned out to be, surprisingly not at the time, the first uh, biography in English, but also the, the, the first unauthorized biography, which, of course, with Diego Maradona at that time was uh, telling uh, the life as it really was, not as people wanted it to be told.
1: Jimmy, when when you're doing that, when you're performing that balancing act, clearly you have you had and you have a feel for for the people of Argentina you would have a real sense of what Maradona meant to that society to that country in addition to his the wider importance of Maradona uh, to to soccer fans how how hard is it when you're dealing with a figure like that to stay true to the true story but also, you know kind of leave a little bit for the 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 person who still who views Diego as an idol you know how, how do you show the human frailty of the man and still give enough there so that the Maradona fan can read the book and and not come away throwing his hands up in anger uh,
3: well it's it's a very good question which goes to the heart of of really what the challenge was in in writing about Diego Maradona, and and you'll note that I I I tend not to say either Diego or Maradona. I always sort of tend to say Diego Maradona. I know some people opt for one or the other, uh, and, and it's purposeful because precisely as you you suggest in your question that you, what you're constantly balancing with with uh, Diego Maradona is this kind of duality uh, between on, on the one hand the uh, the genius on the pitch uh, and on the other the a disaster, really, and you can't put it any other way, off the pitch. Um, but both, uh, I'm often asked this question, uh, is Diego and Maradona, are they different people? And I said, no, they're the same person. And and I suppose what what always fascinated me about him uh, and the way I went about him was recognizing that at the end of the day, beyond the mythology, beyond the legend, um, w- was the human being. Uh, and, and the point of departure. Uh, for understanding Diego Maradona was, was basically his humanity, which is why I say at the beginning of the book that the best advice I got when I began researching was you know, a friend of mine in Argentina who knew Diego pretty well. He said, you won't even begin to understand him unless you go to Fia Fiorito and spend several days there getting to understand the culture of the shanty town where he was born into and, and spent his childhood in. Which indeed is what i did and 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 there what I began to realize was first of all you know it's an environment which if you're born into uh you you've got everything against you in life um uh, your your sort of options are fairly limited to a life in criminality or possibly uh celibacy in priesthood or possibly breaking that and uh joining the army um Or if you're born with some sort of talent, um, which are totally unexpected, like your uncle Celino giving you your first ever and probably only toy, which is one of those old leather balls, which is what he got when he was a toddler, and beginning to realise that you're doing things with it purely instinctively and God-given, you can make it. Um, And that's his story. You know, this guy born into appalling adversity, who managed and realized at an early stage that the one thing he had was this incredible gift uh, which he'd been born into, and the rest of course is history because you know we saw the extent to which he realized his talent and also squandered it
0: and you're right, like it feels uh, especially reading and, and watching and, and seeing um, a, a lot of the the thoughts about Diego uh, coming out over the last week. It it, it has a feel of, you know, you have to think about the boy in Via Fiorito and and how that shaped his life and how he cared for his family. But also he had this kind of entourage that was always looking to take a piece of him everywhere, everywhere he went. Um, It it, it feels like an enormous weight was on his shoulders from from the moment that he started his senior career uh, just before his 16th birthday. (laughs) Uh, yes, it,
3: there was a huge weight on, on his shoulders. I, I mean, you know, there, there are two things I'd like to sort of remark on there in response to that question. I mean, what, one is 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 if you're born into that environment, particularly in a place like Argentina, what you're born into is a kind of country outside the country, or put it another way, in a country like Argentina, which is a failed state and has been for many, uh, many years, arguably decades uh, and over a century, um, you, you, you have the sort of, the people who are born into poverty can only survive by developing their own set of rules. And rules are pro- probably a bad term anyway, because it's all illegality anyway. But it's illegality in a state that's failing you anyway. Um, so you begin to to understand, you know, systems of, of power, symptoms of relationships, symptoms of advice, uh, which you and I probably don't quite understand. But you know where where Diego I mean not for nothing did he I and mean, you mentioned the sieves documentary, I mean not for nothing did he come into into his own and almost find himself paradoxically in in Naples you know in a situation where you know you had the mafia with its with its rules and relationships very similar to the ones that he'd been brought up in in via Fiorito. um but I also like to just say that one of the tragedies of diego um is that, you know, I often think reflecting in the last few days, um, you know, what a tragedy that he wasn't born several years later um, into a different context, into a different world of, of football where, you know, people with real talent, you know, the messes of this world, Cristiano Ronaldo, other sort of top line uh, elite players, um, are incredibly protected. They're protected from the media. They're advised by lawyers, tax advisors, um, sponsors, the whole lot. Uh, but they're also taught that, you know, if you take drugs and you and you get drunk uh, and you go partying till 4 o'clock in the morning, as Diego used to do, uh, you're not going to survive. I mean, can you imagine Diego Maradona trying to survive in, in, a, in a club like Man City or, you know, FC Barcelona or Real Madrid today, leading the kind of lifestyle that he was leading even when he was at the top of his game, which was in, in the mid-80s.
1: Jimmy, in doing some reading on, on Maradona, um, one word keeps keeps coming up, and I wanted to ask you about it. And that one word is, is, and I'm hoping I pronounce it right, but it's pibé. Which is kind of this this at least what I'm reading, this sort of tendency if you want to call it that on the part of, of of Argentine soccer fans to sort of put up with all the the stuff that Diego did off the field because there's there's kind of this veneration of the little the little the little boy who never grew up. You know, and I'm wondering if you can explain that to us, because I know the word does come up, uh, does come up frequently and, it, and it's, it's kind of why, for example, you know, Maradona could get could fire an air rifle at journalists outside his house and, you know, people just kind of get charged with go to court and people just kind of shrug and go, well, that's that's Diego. Can you t- tell us a little bit about that? And did that kind of fuel his his off field appetites?
3: yeah, it's again it's 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 an astute question and observation. I mean Pibe is, is is basically a kind of one of several um slang words, um the so-called rumfardo, that's the slang of particularly of Buenos Aires, uh we, which is very much the sort of lower working class, the the, the the poor sectors, particularly around the port of Buenos Aires, the immigrant community the immigrant community mixing in with uh, immigrants or migration coming from the interior who were mainly, mainly indigenous. Uh, I mean, in Diego's case, of course, his father was a Guarani Indian stock uh, who married a, a, an Italian, a very poor immigrant stock. Uh, and Diego was sort of born into that that kind of slang. And, and Biwe is, is, I suppose, those of us who've read uh, Dickens, and I'm sure you, you might have read a novel or two yeah. by him, um, I mean, it's a difficult finding a, 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 an English analogy, but, of course, it's the artful dodger. Um, you know, this 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 idea that... Uh, but in Argentina, it's in spades because it's been venerated and uh, elevated almost on the altar of uh, popular adulation, this idea that as long as you get away with it uh, and do it with skill, uh, you can do anything in life. And, and therefore, it, it's a recipe for survival, endurance... And
0: redemption. And uh, thinking about this week and seeing the many, um, you know, many people like crying and uh, just how much Diego affected their lives. Trying to connect why he meant so much to so many, especially uh, Argentina and and in Naples. And uh, I guess a lot of people come back to in '86. He was kind of uh, the the match against England. It's uh, their way of, you know, making up for what i guess happened at the Falklands War in in some sense and also for for Naples he was, you know, their their symbol of like yes, Naples is good too. Uh you know, the 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 south we can have greatness as well in the south and it's not just in the north and he he embraced those things. He you know he stood up against um the establishment uh for for a lot of people uh out you know he he became more than just this this soccer god jimmy he he stood up for 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 those that that weren't getting their voice heard
3: yeah there's there's obviously a strong element of that in 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 the sort of the history and legend of 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 diego maradona i mean one can't un- understand why it was that in. Uh, apart from obviously his skill on on the pitch, uh, and you know, arguably that the best player we've ever seen, but but his uh, global following around the world. I mean, I, I often say this that when I was researching the book and indeed had had published the book, and I'd, I'd, I'd sort of travel because of the F Financial Times and and other journalistic assignments around the world. Um, you know, whenever I'd sort of got into a sort of personal or informal conversation about, you know, what I'd done in my life and I'd worked in Argentina, immediately Maradona would be the point of contact. And I particularly found that point of contact in among, uh, as you say, people uh, who, who, who feel represented or underrepresented and therefore, or, or marginalized, who saw in Diego a kind of the possibility of of, of doing something with their lives. and And someone who spoke their language. Um, He wasn't particularly coherent, Diego Maradona. Um, Those who who try and uh, picture him like a sort of Che Guevara of the Latin American continent, he could never have been a a political leader. Uh, But but he had this sort of gift for for speaking in a language that they understood. And, and, And always in front of them was this image of a guy who, as I say, had been born into the shanty town, never forgot where he'd come from. And you could say the people with a you know darker shade of pale, uh, who were stocky uh, and possibly overweight, you can still make it. You know, um, oh, it said something to, to a lot of people. Um, but just to, to address your point about about what he meant for Argentina and 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 what happened in Naples, I mean, I, I think there's obviously points of um, a common ground between the two. Um, one I've already noted, which was the sort of. Mm. Uh, in Naples, um, whether he was against the establishment or not, the fact is he was in bed with the Mafia uh, and the Mafia ruled Naples. But the Mafia, of course, ran all sorts of relationships with poor people. You know, that's how the Mafia operates. It it, it operates outside the state and, and on a series of favours and, and protection. Uh, and, and Diego was drawn into that in, in Naples. But in the case of Argentina, and that plays out to a... You know, the, the, the extent to which he came to uh incarnate um uh the, the, the Argentine nation, um I mean its cultural identity, its social economic identity, its history, all funneled through this um relationship or or animosity and, and and kind of constant war on and off, um with, with the great imperialist um England, you know. Um you know, the football pitch rivalry, I mean, you know, you mentioned, uh, if we talk about the 1986, which was Falkland's round two quarterfinals. But, of course, who can forget, at least I was a little kid at the time, but, you know, 1966, the World Cup, the quarterfinals of England and Argentina, where Ratin, the, the, the captain of Argentina, uh, gets the red card. And as he walks a- a- around Wembley underneath the royal box with the Queen there, uh, insults her. And uh, uh, let us not forget that when it came to the final whistle, Alf Ramsey, the the manager, uh, uh, told his players not to exchange shirts with "quote unquote" those animals, the Argentines. Um, this is deeply ingrained in the in the collective memory of both tabloid English writers and you know popular um, Argentine media and, and and legend. You know the, the sort of rivalry between the imperial England uh, and 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 argentina uh, and the irony of, of course of all this is that you know as you know um association football i mean football soccer call it what you want i mean the, the the game began in england and and the second country that really took it to its heart uh, outside england was argentina um it was the brits who took it to argentina um, and there you get into the whole um, Diego narrative, because that goal in 1986, that second goal against the English in the quarter final, which is the most sublime piece of poetry in motion, I often say, uh, on the pitch, um, was basically the beautiful game uh, played out as Argentina learnt it from the English and in the 1920s turned it into their game, into the Latin American game, the dribble. Uh, We moved from the rough, almost rugby type football uh, of of the early years of English association football to the more refined dribbling, the more creative, poetic um, football that we saw in Argentina and later in Brazil. Uh, And and that second goal of Maradona beating uh, almost the entire English side, one after the other, they fell like pawns. Slathering his way to that final beating of Shilton, um, total humiliation of the imperial beast, um, was a reminder how uh, Argentine football, and Latin American football, had gone to another level, uh, leaving the prodding Englanders behind them.
1: You know, Jimmy, talking about that that nineteen eighty six uh, Argentine. Team and the World Cup. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who is a much bigger soccer fan than I am, um, and he, we were we were talking about Messi and and um, and Maradona. And his point I, I found was was fascinating. And he said, "You know, when I close my eyes, I see Diego Maradona in the Alba Celeste jersey and then in the Argentina jersey." He <laughs> said, "When I close my eyes." I see Messi in a Barcelona jersey, and I mean, I don't want to insult Barca fans or Naples fans here, but that seems to me, in addition to the fact that he won a World Cup, that seems to me to be the separator between Lionel Messi and Diego Maradona.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I could say, I I would say almost the same, actually. I mean, with the exception of when I close my eyes, I I think of, of Diego in a in, in the Argentine colours but also obviously in the colours of Naples um, mm. but um, and I'm a Barca fan as you probably know um, and, mm-hmm. and I've got, apart from my living in London, I've got a little pad near not so far from the camp now which is very convenient uh, in a place called Sitges by the Mediterranean and and uh, the reason I, I, I sort of got a place there was just to be nearer to my club really Um, but just to go back to this thing I mean yeah absolutely Um, let's not forget the big difference between uh, Diego Maradona and and Leo Messi is is, and how he's seen by uh, their respective countrymen is that as you know um, you know Messi uh, turns up in Barcelona at the age of 13 uh, and for career terms and personal terms and family terms uh, stays there for until now, you know, uh, I mean, he goes yeah, back to right. Argentina now and again, but he, his whole kind of formation uh, was in Spain and Barcelona, whereas uh, Diego Maradona with the exception of, of you know, those two years in, in Barcelona, but also the time in Naples, I mean, he was very much in Argentina wearing the Argentine colours and, and thinking of nothing else but representing Argentina, and and um, in a sense, the sort of 1986, that World Cup, um was, was the moment in which you know Diego Maritona not only kind of becomes the incarnation of the nation, but an Argentina that thought, thought at the time that it was pulling out of its darkness into the light after years of the most appalling human rights violations under its military regime. It had a civilian government. It was the first World Cup. Remember the contrast between the World Cup in 86, one with a civilian democratically elected Argentine government compare that with the '78 World Cup won in Argentina with the junta celebrating it as if they had won the World Cup with with thousands of disappeared, um, you know who'd been uh, tortured and 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 kidnapped and, and and executed by the junta and yet the Argentines celebrating that cup which is absolutely dantesque. Um, so Maradona was wasn't identified with that World Cup of '78 because he didn't play in it. But 86, he did play in it. And it it not only was Falklands mark II in the sense of, you know, we lost the Falklands. We were the great disgrace in 1982 because we took on NATO. We took on England. We we invaded illegally these islands um, and we did it all with a bloody military regime. But somehow we won this World Cup in 86 with this fantastic football, um, with this wonderful player that dominated the tournament. Uh, and we became for a moment the, the, the pride and joy of the world, you know. And um, from that moment on, he not only becomes the incarnation of Argentina, but also its sacrificial lamb. And I use that term in, uh, very carefully because it's obviously got religious and mystical connotations in a Catholic country. Because what we saw from then on was was the, 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 the Diego Maradona that begins his helter-skelter life, downward spiral, off the pitch, uh, and where he lives very, very publicly, his drug and alcoholic abuse and his basically personal self-destruction um, in in front of his own people. Um, but it's almost as if they, they were tolerating it as sort of seeing him, uh, for their sake, um, sacrificing himself. Um, and these days, I must say, I have reflected on this, In the time of COVID, um, these extraordinary scenes we've seen outside the um, Casa Rosada and the Plaza de Mayo, I mean, what are we seeing there? We're seeing at one level uh, extraordinary adulation. We're seeing uh, part of that is is collective hysteria, but also almost a kind of projection outwards in a time of COVID, which, my God, have Argentina, like other countries, suffered um, and continue to suffer. It's a time of great suffering, but also a terrible, incredible wanting of hope, of light through the darkness. And suddenly, you know, Diego Maradona's death um, creates all these mixed emotions and and they're all looking themselves in the mirror and they're thinking, my God, this guy was a genius, but he was also a very very fragile human being. Speaking
1: of that 1986 Argentina team, uh, Jimmy, Carlos Bilardo, their coach, was known to be or considered to be one of the great systems-driven managers uh, of his era, and yet he was able to make to make it all work with arguably the best player of his era, a very creative, emotional player. How was Bill Ardello able to work with Maradona? Or I guess to flip the question in its head a bit, how was Maradona able to find so much success playing in a system that was pretty, pretty pronounced and pretty stringent. <laughs>
3: it's again, it's it's a good question, and and, and certainly it shows this. I mean, not very many people know that that the sort of this extraordinary thing. I mean, you know, having met both of them, obviously, um, I can tell you something else about Bernardo that he threatened me with. Death once, but but that's another, <laughs> that, that, that's another story. But no, I mean, I tell you, there's a very simple answer to that, which I think, as far as I recall, Bilardo told me himself. Which is, I asked him the question, I said, Look, you know, you're a systems man, um, Passarella and other people is, were systems people, you're kind of your kind of uh footballer, and there's this guy, this guy Diego Maradona, comes in, um, yeah, you know, how did you deal with him? And the answer was, I just let him be Diego Maradona. You know, um, he was the one player. I just let him do what he wanted. Um, and that's exactly what happened. But I, I can tell you, of course, the, the contrast to that is when you have Diego Maradona becoming manager of the Argentine national team, um, <laughs> had not a clue about any system at all. Um, in fact, as my, my colleague and friend Simon Cooper's often remarked, I mean, if you You know, Maradona's idea of of organizing the Argentine team with Lionel Messi was was to put him in midfield, uh, give the opposition enough time to create a war of 10 and therefore making it impossible for Messi to, to even progress five yards. You know, I mean, it was the most disastrous managership of any national team I've ever seen in my life.
0: Uh, Jimmy, it's uh, it's been a pleasure having you on and, and remembering Diego Maradona with you. Uh, thanks for this, and um, we'll talk again soon, I hope. Thank you very much, dear friend. Thanks. You can find the biography Maradona, The Hand of God, on Amazon or wherever books are purchased. Our final thoughts on the legend Diego Armando Maradona next on A Kick in the Grass. Final segment here on A Kick in the Grass, remembering Diego Armando Maradona. And uh, it was great seeing some of the tributes over the weekend. Uh, sometimes things happen a little too perfectly, Jeff, uh, in these moments. Uh, Lorenzo Insigne, the goal he scored for Napoli off a free kick and then celebrated Diego Armando Maradona with a, a jersey and a tribute uh, at the Stadio San Paolo, and which will uh, now be named uh, after Diego Maradona in future. And also Lionel Messi scoring a goal identical to that of Diego Maradona uh, when he was at Newell's, where Lionel Messi just so happened to be a youth squad player at the time Diego played there. It's um, sometimes in these moments things things get a little eerie, just how perfectly they play out.
1: Yeah, and it's you know I think it's 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 fitting that that Diego Maradona is is just kind of inspired all these tributes and you just look at the you know the pictures in in um in argentina that doesn't surprise you know that shouldn't surprise anybody i mean clearly he's one of the greatest one of the greatest argent he's one of the greatest argentinians of all time you can have a debate as to uh the stuff that makes him great and and there's a certain amount of notoriety there but he's clearly he's clearly in that pantheon but you know what really I'm glad you mentioned Insania Insania, because what really stood out to me, Danny, was the celebration we saw in Naples, um, that ring of fire around the stadium. Mm -hmm. Uh, That, As we hear from Jimmy Burns, right, as we heard from Jimmy Burns, I I understand now why the – legend the story of maradona why napoli was kind of the natural extension of maradona from argentina right i don't know if it it, jimmy said it probably couldn't 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 take place in any other city other than naples that that trans this sort of the transference of what made diego maradona so special because of his upbringing in argentina to people in, in in naples and it, it is remarkable, right, how sometimes and sometimes it just works out. You know, I was going through a list of of uh, of Argentine players who ended up going over to to Spain to make their mark. You know, and I'm, I'm just talking recent history, obviously Messi, but there's Juan Román Recalme. There's Javier Saviola. There's Pablo Aymar, uh, Ariel Ortega. And of course, Diego Maradona went over to Barca but yet we don't think of him necessarily as a Barca player we think of him as, as playing in Serie A for Napoli and you you just wonder you know maybe the hand of god isn't wasn't doesn't just describe the goal maybe the hand of god describes his move to Napoli because could there be, have been a more perfect fit i don't think so
0: diego uh when when you speak to people that that had played with him or you hear from people that had played with him his connection to people one-to-one, away from the cameras, in the locker mm-hmm. room, wherever it may be, was always genuine. Um, generosity is one of the things that you often hear about Diego. Welcoming, friendly. all All of these words come up when you hear from people that connected with Diego. But there was the dark side of him as well. Mm-hmm. And Napoli is very much the same way, where during the day in the light it's friendly it's open uh, you feel welcomed uh you can have a nice pizza down in the piazza and and you'll feel fine there but at night it's a different kind of place mm-hmm. it's a dark place and i think diego really is um you know there's there's a lot of naples in diego in, a, in in a few more in a lot more ways than just uh him playing on a football field and wearing that shirt It's uh, been an interesting week, uh, and uh, seeing a lot of the tributes has been fantastic about Diego Armando Maradona. And as I said earlier, there was always some way that he affected you, whether uh, you're an English fan and, and he cheated to help Argentina on their way to an 86 World Cup, or he just made you feel and jump out of your seat the way that only Diego Armando Maradona could. Well, the thing about it is this, and one quote that I've heard a lot. I don't care what you did with your life, Diego. I care what you did with mine. Mm. Because he had an effect on all of us in that way and inspired millions around the, around the world. Uh, for Jeff Blair, producer Canberra as well, I'm Dan Riccio. This has been a kick in the grass. Ciao, Diego.